This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. On today's podcast episode, I have Sig with me. And Sig, this is the very first time we have met in the flesh. I know, you're real. I, I am real and so are you. <laughs> and I was just saying it's so weird when you virtually are sort of chatting with somebody or you feel like you know someone and then you meet them in person, you have this idea of kind of what they will look like in particular height. Yeah, and I always just thought you were like way taller than me. But you're short. Oh, no, I think we're about the same height. I'm a short ass. I'm 167 <laughs> centimetres. So am I. Boom, <laughs> twins. There you go. So good to have you here. And I'm super excited to record this podcast episode because we're going to be answering all of your questions. So we put a question box up, well, I did on my Instagram and so did you, Sig, as well. Um, and we've got such a wide variety mm. of questions. So, look, we've got nutrition, training, we have mindset we have uh confidence sexuality dating the lot but before we jump into that sick how are you going how has your day been i'm good my day's been really really chilled and relaxing i did a little bit of work this morning did my hair for today. It looks amazing. Can I just say, let's <laughs> give a moment for Sig's hair. For the hair. It's unreal. <laughs> it's unreal. Love it. And now I'm here. So good. Yeah. I um, So I'm obviously traveling. So I live in Adelaide for anyone that is not in Australia, that is uh, down the bottom of Australia. And I am in Melbourne, Victoria now, which is on the east, kind of up along the east coast. Most people that are not from Australia know where Sydney is and most know where Melbourne is. Yeah. Anyway, I'm in Melbourne. Um, so I've done a bit of work this morning, but I had a really nice sleep in, which was good. Um, not having Sunny with me, so I'm not at the crack of dawn, which is lovely. Uh, and now I'm here. So I'm so excited to record in person. And the really cool thing is that moving forward uh, on the podcast, we are going to have pretty consistently, I'll be coming up here and recording podcast episodes as well. So we've got this visual medium as well, which I do put my podcasts on. YouTube, but this is a bit prettier than my office at home. Yeah. Um, all right. Awesome. Well, let's jump into some of these questions. And I did ask you guys to send me through some voice memos because I want to hear you actually ask the questions. But first of all, let's start with a question that we got quite a lot. And it's a really big one to unpack. And that's around confidence and how to get confidence. So oh, where do we even start? Seek? I want to hand it over to you. Wow, it's such a loaded question when it comes to confidence. The first thing that comes to my mind in terms of building confidence is getting outside of your comfort zone, like putting yourself out there, whether it's heading to the gym for the first time, whether it's taking on a diet plan, whether it's going on a first date after, you know, a long period of time of not dating. Um, okay, I want to ask you a question. Because that is so true, because I feel like doing things out of your comfort zone is exactly what builds confidence. But the issue is, is when you're starting and you've got no confidence, the idea. So I'm going to give you an example. OK, I was out on the weekend and I was with a friend and she was like, I am so I have in particular, it was her body. She feels really uncomfortable in her body. And she was like, I feel so uncomfortable. The thought of stepping foot into the gym is like 
too much. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for me, in my own experience in my life, when things have scared me, the more that I've actually done that thing, the less fear there is around it. And I build confidence in my ability to be able to do that. The hard bit is like, all right, so how do we actually take that first step in order to do the thing that we want to do? Because we actually don't have the confidence to start. So, so what do you do? Like, how do you actually have the confidence to take the first step? That's the hard bit. Mm. The first step is having the awareness of why we're fearing of taking that first step, like what's holding ourselves back. And the most common fear, like attributes that come from people is the fear of judgment, fear of rejection, and also the fear of success. Yeah. Which is so funny because like, why the fuck would you fear of being successful? And I literally had this conversation with a mentor of mine the other day, is that too often we're wanting these big ass goals, but yet there's a shadow part of us who doesn't believe that we're worthy Mm. enough of those goals. Mm. So then we're literally like cock blocking ourselves. Mm. So when it comes to building that confidence and stepping out of that comfort zone, it's <clears throat> it's stepping back going, why do I want this? Why does this mean so much to mm. me? And it's the same with going into the gym. It's just like, okay, what are your goals? What What is your purpose of going to the gym? I want to feel confident. Mm. I want to feel happy. I want to feel strong. It's like, okay, we have these goals that we're wanting to achieve but why are you holding yourself back? Mm. And then being able to notice, are these actually facts or are they just stories in our head that we're constantly pulling ourselves back from actually building that confidence? So true. Figuring out like the thing that's holding you back is key. I, in my own life, experience the fear of success all the time. In fact, that's been the thing that's held me back the most. And then with that comes things like imposter syndrome. So when you set yourself these goals, you think, like, first of all, there's no way I could do it. But then what happens if I do do it? Mm. Because I don't have the confidence. I don't believe in myself that I can. But if I do, then people are going to think of me or expect from me things that I feel like I actually can't accomplish But being aware of that and then thinking about it rationally and going, well, okay, why do I not think that I am worthy, number one, or capable? And then being able to work on that. I think as well what's really helpful is sometimes we can set ourselves these huge goals and I guess like maybe we're veering away from the confidence chat, but it's kind of deeper than that, right? It's not just like an A, B, C, D, this is what you do and then you become super confident in yourself. It's... It's being realistic with what we want to achieve. And I think sometimes we can set ourselves these goals or set these expectations for ourselves that are so high that unfortunately what we've kind of done subconsciously is set them so high that we can't achieve them, which then gives us an excuse not to even try. Mm -hmm. So like even I was thinking with uh, that friend who's too scared to go to the gym or too fearful, then don't start with that. Like start with just moving, start with a home workout, Mm -hmm. get yourself some dumbbells. Do that sort of thing, build confidence in yourself. And then what about like the next time you feel like going to the gym or you think, okay, I've built up a little bit more confidence, I'm gonna do a gym class, right? It's not as intimidating. Or I'm going to go with a friend. Like breaking that down and then achieving it bit by bit, build that confidence and you'll get to the point where you'll be able to walk into the gym and it won't be an issue. But it doesn't feel like such a jump, I guess from nothing like zero to 100 percent yeah yeah and that's where people get it wrong yeah they go from zero to a hundred and that that's why you just get so overwhelmed and then you end up not doing anything about it absolutely 
I want to touch on body confidence as well, body image, mm. which so I got this question quite a lot around how to accept yourself, how to feel comfortable in your own skin. Another really big one and the fact that we live in a world and a society where let's be honest and actually I was going to say for women but I really feel like it's for women and for men now yeah there is just such a focus on the way that you look and your value and these expectations once again that are just like they're wild they're crazy like the majority of people that we see that we compare ourselves to now are you know there's either like digital enhancements in videos now as well as photos which is kind of going to mess with your brain quite a lot and then you've also got the fact that people are getting work done as well which is completely fine but like that's not what they look like naturally Mm. and so here we are already struggling with the way that we look and then we're looking at all these images and this is what's portrayed as the way that we should look in order to be a valuable part of society but it's impossible so it's so tricky it's so tricky what's your journey been like with building confidence in your body and your image and then like kind of what's helped with that how long do we have? <laughs> I know. It's a really <laughs> big one. It's such a big one. It's a huge question. And to be honest, my journey is still going. Mm. I don't think it's ever going to end. Um, and I'm just being true. Like even this morning I was looking at myself in the mirror going, oh, you've gained a, a few kgs. Mm. To be honest, I have no issue mm. with like with weighing a little bit more. So with my body image journey it started off from the age of six I was a ballerina and whoever was into dancing would know how pressure you feel by showing up as a dancer Mm. but showing elegantly Mm. and feminine like have this princess type side of things and I was a big girl when I was younger and I was comparing myself to slimmer girls so Mm. of course I felt really insecure showing up in my ballerina attire and that already set negative um, ways of thinking about my body and then that led into high school and then I went through puberty quite early compared to the other girls so the boys looked at me as one of the boys not one of the girls Mm. you know I was taller than them I was Mm. slightly larger there was always this joke going around oh you know Siggy's part of the boys where I was just like no like I want to be a girl I want you to be my boyfriend I don't want to be your friend that's not what you want to hear at that age (laughs) no not at all and I remember going through a stage where I tried so hard to be accepted as a girl and not part of like the boys so I would wear a lot of makeup I would wear dresses and mind you back then I hated wearing dresses so it's interesting, like, the things that I was going through to just feel accepted yeah. by who I was. And then, you know, throughout high school, uni, and um, even now, it's just noticing the comparisons that you go through every day. And you mentioned before the comparison of us comparing ourselves to digitally enhanced or those who get Botox or those in the fitness industry. Mm. It's hard not to compare yourself to them. And I always chat about this with um, my clients and when I do my workshops is there's two ways of looking at this. It's the negative lens going, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not wise enough. Or you can switch the comparison and think to yourself, cool, well, she looks this way. 
does that inspire me to work a little bit harder in the gym? Do I want to be more muscular? Do I want to be thinner? Yes. Cool. Ask yourself why. What inspires you about that person that you desire that purpose so mm. much? So, and that, that piece about self-acceptance, I feel that people, how do I word this? I feel as if people take it a little bit out of context. So here's the thing with self-acceptance and this is something that I've been actually researching quite a bit lately is too often people would want to accept themselves, however, they're not happy within themselves. So why are you accepting a level of negativity when you're wanting to feel a different way about yourself? Mm. So for instance, if I'm not happy about myself but I want to accept myself, how? Like, how's I, I that going to work? That is such a good point. I've never thought about it that way because I think about that quite quite different because there's two aspects, right? There's this idea where we feel we need to look a certain way, which is usually not naturally how we look, right? So that makes us feel shit about ourselves. When I think about body acceptance, to me, that's being realistic. So instead of having these unrealistic expectations of the way that I need to look, that acceptance is like, do you know what? This is who I am to a degree, right? So I'm not talking about going, you know, and not caring about your health at all, but it's about being realistic with the expectations you have on the way that you look. However, I guess for me, and I, I, I wonder how we would distinguish these two things because that acceptance shouldn't bleed over into not wanting to become better in every aspect of your life. Ultimately, we want to be the best friend. We want to be the best business owner we can be the I don't know someone that's super kind or intelligent and we want to work on all of these qualities so it's not accepting in that way but maybe it's like maybe it's like in that capacity it's more so just being realistic with our expectations and setting ourselves up for success rather than setting ourselves up for failure where we feel like we're never good enough and therefore that's also going to stop us from achieving these other things because we've got no confidence. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And, and this is why so many people get it wrong with the self-acceptance piece. Because, and, this, and to be honest, this is why a lot of women hold themselves back from actually mm. achieving their goals or putting themselves out there to go for whatever it is that they desire because they think, oh, I've, I've just accepted myself as I am. But what if you're a really shitty person? Mm. I can't relate. That's so interesting. It's never crossed my mind because I'm the opposite. I'm the extreme. Going into body image for me, my journey was, I was, so, my expectations were crazy high that I couldn't achieve it. And throughout my whole like life, in particular my 20s and my teens, was this sense of anxiety because in not just the way that I looked, everything I did, I had to be the best just had to and if I couldn't I wouldn't do that thing at all and I would also I would take that personally as me not being good enough and I could never reach any of these expectations and so of course my body image was, was terrible because I could never achieve what I wanted to achieve so for me it's never been that way in fact I've kind of I've needed to pull myself back and give myself grace and be kinder to myself but you're so right. I feel like there's the other end of that spectrum as well where people go, well, that's just me, you know, and accept that their behaviours and their habits 
are not going to actually give them the best opportunities in life to become the best person to achieve all that they want to. And once again, from both ends of those spectrums, it comes down to not feeling like you're good enough and settling, really, but in different ways. It kind of manifests in different ways. Super interesting. I, I want to just quickly share a couple of stories which have been so beneficial in my life with body image in particular. So very first one. Okay. I used to have this issue where I, I've always had cellulite on my legs. Okay. And I'm a very small person. I've had a low body fat percentage, but I tell you, it has never gone. Okay. Now I used to think the more weight I lost or the more lower body exercises I would do, I would lose the cellulite. I used to like remember running and I'd be like imagining somehow fat disappearing from my lower body and cellulite disappearing. Like I was targeting that. And by the way, you can't do that, right? So we know that that's not a thing. However, this is going to take a little bit of a sinister turn, but I got really unwell with anorexia. So really serious eating disorder, ended up in hospital, was very underweight, very unwell. And I was at such a low body fat percentage that I was in hospital, yet what did I have on my legs? I had cellulite. And at that point, when I looked at myself, I was like, right, okay. So regardless of what I do, if I just continue not to eat, then I'll die eventually, but I'm gonna die with cellulite on my legs. <laughs> and so what are my options? Like, what are my options? I continue to focus on that and hate myself for it and beat myself up for it. Or I go, well, it's just a part of me. It's a genetic thing and I'm just going to roll with it and I'm not going to let it stop me from lacking myself and from living my best life. And that was a massive shift for me in acceptance. So once again, going back to that, I didn't love it. I don't mm. need to love it, but I can accept it and I can learn to be in control of my thoughts around when I do see it, how that makes me feel. It doesn't need to make me feel bad about myself. It's normal, it's just a part of who I am. And so that was a really important part of my journey and just another one that was really important. This was more recent in my coaching experience. So we have worked here at GirlFit Method with um, a lot of amazing women who are very accomplished, very intelligent in different parts of the world and have achieved all different types of things. We have worked with a large majority of women in entertainment industry, OnlyFans, models, actresses, right? Now, we look at these girls and we go, by society standards, tick, 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 perfect, right? Low body fat percentage, beautiful faces, just beautiful. And what was wild to me, and sometimes I would jump on Zoom calls with these girls and I would feel like I'd get all giddy. <laughs> Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, these girls are so pretty. Like, you know, they were really beautiful. And some of these girls had the worst body image. The worst body image. I remember thinking like, oh my goodness, if you feel that way about yourself, like you feel that way about yourself, what hope do I have? What hope do we all have? And then I realised, like, this is, this is so much more than the way that you look. It is such a mental game. It actually doesn't matter. You know, to a degree, we wanna make sure that we're healthy and we feel confident in our body and there's nothing wrong with that. However, don't think it's going to fix your confidence in who you are and the love or the love that you don't have for yourself. It's crazy. Totally like, just put things into perspective. And I think that's what we all kind of have to remember is that it's not the answer to us liking ourselves. So with body image, I think, 
for me anyway, what I've learned is number one, to shift my focus off of it. It's not, it's not actually who I am. Set goals that aren't related to the way that my body looks. What do I actually want to achieve? What am I giving back to society? How can I help other people? That's what gives you true fulfillment, right? So now you're actually feeling good about yourself. Not the way you look, good about yourself. And when you feel good about yourself, you want to eat to nourish your body. You want to move to nourish your body. And it's coming from a place of love, respect, rather than this punishment and this anxiety of not being enough. That's the secret sauce, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but it takes a while to get there, hey. It's a, it's a lifelong journey for all of us. Quick interruption. So if you want to win a $100 Gymshark voucher, I give one away per month to anyone that leaves a rating, review and subscribes to the podcast. All you need to do is take a screenshot of that rating, review, send it to me on Instagram at GirlFitMethod podcast Instagram page and you will go into the running. All right, back to the podcast. Unfortunately, though, some people don't even get to experience yeah. that change or that epiphany of going, oh, wow, it was never to do with about my body. Yeah. It had everything to do about my mindset. Yeah. And this is where people go wrong. They're constantly striving to look a certain way. But at the end of the day, if you're not working on what's going on up here, how are you expected to work on everything over there? Yeah. We don't want to do that, though, because the mental side of things, the mindset thing is much more difficult than just focusing on smashing yourself with exercise or dieting. Like, that's easy. That's the surface level stuff. It's, the, it's like a tree, you know. It's the roots that we need to, say, uproot. I don't know. I don't, I don't garden. <laughs> but if we're, we're wanting to, like, actually fix the problem, we have to we have, if we're going to remove a tree. We've got to get the roots and we've got to remove it out from the soil. If we're just trimming the leaves, like, that's not actually going to get rid of that tree right and that's when it comes down to body image really the mindset is what's going to change all of it mm -hmm. um but it's hard it's not easy all right i want to get to some of these little voice messages so i've got my phone up here and please for anyone else that has questions for me do send them in uh, and send a voice memo okay so this one here oh that's mine i don't want to play mine out again i'm going to pop it up to the microphone so you guys can all hear and this is from the beautiful Sarah Ward. Hi, Tash. I just wanted your advice really in regards to strength training sessions and how many you should be doing. So at the minute I'm doing five and I've been doing five for as long as I can remember. I'll do two lower, full, full lower, two full upper and I'll do my last one, a mix of lower and abs. And sometimes, like, I think I'd be better off maybe doing four, maybe putting more effort in doing four than the five. Um, sometimes I feel it's just too much. Like, I am a mom, I do work. Like, even just to lighten the mental workload of not having to push myself to do five. But I am scared at the same time that like, I've come from a background of restrictive eating um, and I've gotten so much better than that. But I guess I'm not ready to really... Like then work on reducing the exercise side of it as much. Um, so I am scared about maybe if I drop that session that I would put on a bit weight. Um, I just wanted to know your advice in regards to, like, well, not even about your thoughts in regards to that. Great question. Mm. I'm going to hand it over to you first. What are your thoughts initially? Well, there's context to it with anything. Like I'm not going to tell her that you need to drop the sessions if she's wanting to lose weight, but she did also mention a good point. She's a mum, she's busy already, time is limited. So it's like if she's, did she say she was training six times? She's training five days a week. Okay, so if she's training five days a week and she's noticing it's impacting 
her everyday life or mental capacity, it's just like, okay, well, drop it down to four. See how you manage for. I find that too often people think more volume is going to enhance their results. The moment I moved from six days of training to three is when everything changed Mm. for me. You don't have to be hitting so hard at the gym every single day. Like dropping that volume and actually giving your body enough time to rest and recover is so important. And that's the missing point for a lot of people. Mm. And she mentioned it in her um, voice memo saying that she's worried that she's going to gain the weight from not actually going to the gym. And it's such a common problem that we see that people think, again, they have to go to the gym to constantly Mm. work out and lose the weight. It's just like actually losing the weight is that like being at the gym is such a one percent out of the whole big picture yeah oh couldn't agree with you more I, I went through the same journey too uh with thinking more was better okay so this is what's what changed it for me to get out of that mindset when I try and teach my girls is that if you can truly not equate exercise to weight loss then the way that you view your exercise is going to be, or exercise in general, is going to be much more healthy because ultimately your weight and your body fat percentage is pretty much going to be controlled by nutrition. Now, there is so much to all of this because when we start to over-exercise, the results that we get are going to diminish when we're doing too much. So just touching on exactly what you said with recovery and how important recovery is. The next thing is that if you can't recover adequately from exercise, then it's just this stress on your body, Mm. right? And so when your body is stressed, it can actually, in turn, if your goal is weight loss, can make weight loss more difficult. The other thing as well is as you start to over-exercise, you're more hungry, which is going to make it much harder for you to stick to whatever meal plan or calories that you should be consuming. There's that as well. Also, the, the part I think that we don't really touch on a lot and we don't focus on is that It's the mentality. So if we are exercising to earn our food or we think we can eat a certain amount because we um, are exercising, you know, a certain amount of times per week, that is what I see can lead girls into that binge restrict cycle. So they're mentally restricting themselves, right? So if they miss a workout, well, then I can't eat this today. Then what does that lead to when we, we ruminate and we become obsessed with food is that we then end up in some cases overeating, binging, and then we're feeling terrible about ourselves and then we exercise more to compensate and it's this horrible cycle. Ultimately, exactly what you said, Sig, you want to look at your lifestyle. I always say on your worst week, busiest week, kids are sick, you've got uni assignments, work is crazy. What is the minimum you can commit to with working out? Three days a week, boom, okay, that is your goal. Anything above that, awesome bonus. But if you've got a really busy lifestyle like Sarah does, she's got children, five days a week is quite a lot of exercise. And I would say if she's got kids, she's probably not resting as much as she should be. You know, when we don't have the, I mean, I'm a mum as well. I'm not a mum of several kids, but I've got one little one. That's (laughs) difficult enough at times. Sometimes you don't have time to fuel yourself properly. And so you want to take all of this into account, but ultimately understand that exercise is a great means for stress management, for for health, for longevity, and it can help with uh, maintaining a healthy body fat percentage, but ultimately that is going to come down to nutrition. So hopefully then people can view exercise in that light Mm. 
rather than it being this obsessive, unhealthy thing. Yeah. It's a question I get quite a lot and something I believed as well. Obviously, you did too. Yeah, definitely. I think most girls do when they start in their fitness journey. You just begin to think more is better when it comes to exercise and less is better when it comes to food as well. Okay, so I have another question here. All right, this is a long one. Okay. (laughs) This one is around... uh, having so many thoughts around food. So how to stop thinking about food 24-7? And then on top of that, how to stop feeling guilty if I don't eat quote unquote clean or perfect? (laughs) Should we answer the first one first? So how to stop thinking about food 24-7? I guess what's the main cause do you find with your clients? if they do have this preoccupation with food and food focus? What's the main reason that is? The main food obsession that I see with clients is them restricting the foods Mm. that they're actually wanting to eat. And again, it goes back to her second question about the clean eating aspect. It's like who labelled what as bad and good? Like Mm. there's so much context to everything. So if she's viewing foods as bad and good need to ask her why she's viewing these these foods as as that because too often that leads to the restriction so let's say if she's restricting ice cream for instance i'll use myself as an example for so many years i saw ice cream as like a really bad food so i would restrict it i would not have last pleasures i okay (laughs) so uh, let let's say the story and then i'll explain how i live life with alarm with ice cream right now (laughs) so years ago I went through this binge eating cycle for almost 10 years, almost a fucking decade of restricting food. Monday to Friday, I would clean eat and then Friday evening would come and it would be like my cheat day. And I would literally line up all the foods that I was missing out that week and literally binge all of them. And one of them was ice cream. And I wouldn't just have one ice cream in a cone, it would be a litre full of whatever flavors and I would literally eat it to the last spoon that was left in there but again it didn't satisfy me whatsoever so I was constantly restricting myself from having the ice Mm. cream which led me to binge eating Mm. because I wasn't allowing myself and it's just like why did I set that rule for me not to have ice cream so if we're constantly restricting ourselves from having one thing of of course you're going to constantly think about that can I ask you a question? Yeah. All right. So why did you think ice cream was bad? Because I perceived it bad due because it had sugar. It was high in calories. Calories. It's yes. a treat. Yes. It's a dessert. Yeah. You know, I got brought up, love my parents to bits, got brought up that you can't have your dessert unless and until you have your main meal. Mm. Who made up that rule? Yeah. They, their parents probably did and their parents and their parents and so forth. You know what I do these days? I actually have my dessert at 3, 4 p.m. in the afternoon because I fucking feel like having it. <laughs> Go and off, sis. Yeah. Ice cream's good at any time of the day. Literally. I literally had a spoonful of ice cream <laughs> yesterday. Yes. Yesterday. <laughs> and now these days I have ice cream probably on a regular basis. And I'm not saying like the, the whole litre of yeah, ice cream. Yeah. But if I want to have ice cream in a cone or I'll buy ice cream from the supermarket, 
daily, every second day, and there's no limits there whatsoever. Mm. I don't think to myself, oh, my God, this is going to have so many calories, I'm going to have to go back to Mm. the gym and train it off. And let's talk about, like, just for a second there, the fact that you can have it in a portion that you enjoy. Mm. You're not having to have a litre tub. So because you've taken away that judgment from yourself as well, it's almost like when you get into that mindset, very similar. I remember being in the same situation as you. My goodness, I was vegan for like four years because I was terrified of animal products. I read, I watched so many YouTubes, listened to podcasts, read books on people that the, there was so much misinformation. And these people that I was following and listening to definitely had some kind of disordered eating, right? So here with me, I'm thinking I'm morally superior because I'm eating all clean, you know? Um, it, what did we call it? Uh, I tried raw till four and then it was just all like all foods from the ground, you know? So I was somehow super duper healthy by doing that. And I was so deprived of nutrients. My hair was falling out. I had no period. I was so unwell. But what I found is that I would get into these cycles where I would eat foods that I had deemed I wasn't allowed to. Consciously, I really enjoyed eating these foods, right? But I told myself, no, you can't eat that. And then when I was around that food in particular, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't have them in the house, but I remember going, you know, to friends' homes or like at a party and I would gorge and I would overeat and I wasn't even enjoying what I was eating. You know, I didn't stop at one, two, three. It was like I have to finish the whole platter. Mm-hmm. And that was because I thought to myself, well, I don't know when I'm going to be able to eat this food again. So I'm just going to make the most of it now. And then you're left feeling terribly guilty. There's so much shame associated with that. And you think, why do I not just have self-control? Um, and that comes down to exactly what you said, a mindset around food. You need to get away from this once again, setting expectations for yourself too high. You know, she talked about perfectionism, clean eating. What even is that? Like what is, what actually is that? And I think being mindful of what you're feeding your mind because there is a lot of terrible advice out there and there are a lot of people that are health coaches. I saw one the other day and I was just like gobsmacked at like the content this person was putting out. They had a huge following and it is so concerning because I can clearly see that this person doesn't have a healthy relationship with food and they're not aware of that and then they're telling all of their followers to do what they're doing and in turn it's just creating more people with disordered eating. So it's really important to make sure that you're mindful of who you're following, but also really building that healthier relationship with food. What I have found as well with um, with food focus is exactly that. So it's that restriction. If you're thinking about food all the time and you're dieting and you're trying to eat as little as possible, that's your reason. You've got to spend some time actually healing your relationship with food, but also allowing yourself to eat more. And I can guarantee you, that goes away. Did you experience that? Definitely. Yeah. It's wild, hey. Yeah. And then you get to a point and you're like, I actually, oh, I don't even think about food. Like I don't actually even think about food. And I remember there was times that's all I literally thought about. Everything was food related. Mm, yeah. The, mo- the most common problem that I saw in myself and I see it with clients is they're also constantly dieting. Yes. And when you're constantly dieting and you have that all or nothing mindset around good and bad foods, Mm. of course you're going to fall into that restrictive mindset and feeling as if you can't eat certain foods. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that would be our advice is probably if you are constantly dieting, 
stop. <laughs> I know that's easier said than done, but honestly, if you just continue doing what you're doing, it's going to get worse. And to be honest with you and Frank, like if you are in a position where you're food focused all the time, you're thinking about food and you're trying to lose weight, you are going to fall into the binge restrict cycle, which will most probably make you gain more fat anyway. Mm. Like to be completely honest with you, that's the direction you're heading in. Or if you can do things right, you can restore your biofeedback. By biofeedback, we, that, that includes what your thoughts are and what you're thinking then you can go back into a calorie deficit later on and actually achieve the results that you're wanting to in a sustainable, healthy way, not the way that you're going about it at the moment. All right, we're going to have a little change of pace now. So we've got a little saucy question here um, and you're the saucy queen over there, Sig, so you can start by answering this one. I love the juice. I mean, I mean that in the best way possible, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how do you build and embrace your feminine sexuality over to you seek <laughs> how do we want to break this down because it's such a broad okay I'll, I'll break it down for you so g'day my name is tash all right so g'day, i tash. was i was brought up in a very very strict christian household and i was talking to a friend last night on the phone about this how i was told <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad. So I didn't even know women orgasmed. Didn't have a clue. Like literally found that out on my own, okay? My upbringing was like sex was for the men and women shouldn't dress provocatively because if they dress provocatively, then they're tempting a man. You know, obviously I had a Christian background, so it was around like, <laughs> this is probably not everyone's experience, but I'm, I'm, there's a point coming to this, um, is that there was a lot of shame around it. So for women, it was shameful, but you needed to... You needed to, if you were in a committed, usually a married relationship, is that you needed to have sex whenever your partner wanted you to because men enjoyed sex and women are there just to, for the man, basically. There was no, there was no your own sexuality. What did you enjoy doing? So if I think about it with my own story and my own situation, embracing your feminine sexuality, that was a really, that was a very interesting journey for me because it was all, very much masked in shame. And even though you may have not have had a really religious upbringing, I'm pretty sure that for a lot of women and girls growing up, they have that shame, whether that's that they've been called a slut, if they enjoy having sex, if they have multiple partners. So maybe like, you know, if you're talking to me back then, 16 year old Tash, who doesn't really feel comfortable in her skin and doesn't really know even what her sexuality is, how do you embrace that? And what does the femininity side of that look like? Psst, I just need to share a quick message with you all. So listen, if you are stuck under eating, over-exercising and seeing no changes in your body and you are ready to make that change, Head down to the show notes. We have an application form for our one-on-one -on -one coaching program that includes our three-phased coaching method that has helped women across the world find food freedom and improve the look of their body. All right, back to the podcast episode. Everything that you were saying, it was literally my upbringing. Okay. So you relate. I, yeah, I can relate to this so much. So getting brought up by Jewish parents, it was also the shame around sexuality. You know, you have to hide yourself. You can't be prov provocative. You can't speak your mind. Women just sit in silence. The men speak. The men lead. You know, you just follow the crowd. So in terms of embracing your femininity, it comes with experience. And to be honest, when we 
young, we do dumb shit. I've done dumb shit. I find that once we hit our 20s into our 30s, that's when we're able to explore that a little bit more. And the shame piece is so big. Like there's so many women who come to me who feel shameful about their feminine power, about their sexuality because they just don't know how to embrace it or express it. Mm. And I feel as if in terms of the sexuality side of things, yes, it has a big aspect of us in dating and relationships, you know, intimacy issues that come with your partners, but it also comes down to that everyday lifestyle of you wanting to wear whatever you want without caring what other people think. But we do care what people think. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Mm. What about, because the act, any kind of sexual act is a very intimate thing and we're very vulnerable on both parties, right? For men and for women. I feel like sometimes what can cause this is if we've had sexual experiences where someone has given us feedback that hasn't been very kind, that that can stick in our head for a long time and really ruin our confidence. On top of that as well, and I'm definitely not generalising here for all men, but also there's an element of if a woman is very confident in her own sexuality, for some men that can be quite intimidating as well and they're not quite sure how to handle that. And so I wonder if this person also has experienced stuff like that because that's kind of really difficult. It's one thing to kind of deal with it internally with yourself but when you're getting this feedback from somebody else, you know, that can cut really hard. I mean, there's nothing more like vulnerable than that situation really. And I've experienced that and it's hard to come back from. Yeah, any advice? <laughs> I'm assuming you've experienced it. I think we all have to some degree. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on both ends. I've been on the end where I've been told that I'm too much or don't do this, don't do that because they didn't like it. Mm. They weren't open enough to explore my interests um, or my desires. And I've been on the other side where some men did feel intimidated by my expression of my sexuality and how confident I am by carrying myself, by not giving a fuck what other people think. Yeah. But that comes down to like, I feel like when you get to that point, you've, you're confident in your sexuality. Yeah. You know, and when you are, you look at that person, and you're like, ah, oh, I can see where that's coming from, from them, because they're insecure. You know, like they, they don't know quite know how to handle. It's like when you, when you're insecure about yourself, when you meet someone, not even in a sexual setting, but like they are just a confident person, we can feel intimidated by that because it's a reflection of what we don't have. Yeah. And if you can think about it that way, um, then it's a lot more helpful. I guess that's just a little bit of a tidbit, but I guess going back to this person's question is like, what are some tangible steps, I guess, that's helped you mm. kind of own that part of yourself, explore? figure out what you like and be happy to kind of vocalise that and completely embrace it. So the first few ways of going about it for someone who's never explored it and has no idea, I would start exploring about what gives you pleasure and not just sexually but like in life, like what sparks that joy within yourself to feel confident and go do whatever it is that you want to do. So whether it's 
going dancing, whether it's going doing MMA or going to the gym or hanging out with new people, like trying new experiences. If we're wanting to take it to the next level, something I'm really big on is starting off with mirror work. Okay, so what's mirror work? So there's different levels of mirror work. Firstly, it's literally looking at yourself in the mirror, butt naked. Confronting? Very confronting. You're like looking yourself, checking everything out. And for someone who is trying to accept themselves, that can be very triggering. Yeah. Yeah. Even for someone that <laughs> is confident. Definitely. Yeah. It's, yeah. You're literally like so exposed to yourself and looking at all these areas that you haven't really explored. From that mirror work, it's literally understanding yourself on a deeper level going, cool, what am I accepting? What am I wanting to work on? what feels good, what doesn't feel good. And then that leads you more into the intimate side of things, like the self-exploration, whether it's embodiment work, self-pleasure. Embodiment work mm. can be like dancing. It could be somatic experiences. It could be breath work, meditation, whatever comes to mind that makes them feel good to explore that feminine part of them. Because when we think of femininity, we've spoken about this previously, yeah. it's... It's having the pleasure in life. It's going with the flow. Mm. So when you're dancing, you're just enjoying yourself. Mm. You're living life. Like I love dancing every fucking See, morning. See, we have to go dancing. <laughs> I love dancing too. We'd rip it up. love dancing. It gives me, it like it's literally so lights me up. Like even just talking about this, I just yeah, want to yeah. pull my phone out. I'm like <laughs> play some like Sean Paul or whatever. <laughs> but exploring that a little bit. Yeah. And doing a little bit more of the stuff that you haven't done before and seeing yeah. what you enjoy. I don't know if this is a little bit too juicy, but when it goes to um, not exploring your feminine sexuality intimate-wise, it's understanding what do you like. Yeah. Because too often we, I don't know about you, but got brought up by knowing that sex was literally too pleasure the man yeah it had nothing to do with yeah. me I had no idea what an orgasm was till one day I experienced it like, and I was just like is this? holy hell I felt ripped off I was like I've gone this long in my life without experiencing this like, I was confused gonna make up for lost time. I, I remember the first time I, ex I experienced it and I was just like what was that feeling yeah. I want more of it yeah it's like honestly probably like the best thing it's one of the best things you can experience in life. And unfortunately, so many women don't embrace that. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. So when it comes to self-exploration and self-pleasure, it's understanding yourself on a deeper level. Yeah. Noticing what you like. So then yeah. you build that confidence around yeah. your sexuality when you can bring it into your intimate relationships. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And even just before you even think about anything sexual, if you are in a relationship, it's like what actually makes you feel comfortable with your partner and then uh, to then be sexual with them, right? So a lot of it's about the build-up. How do they make you feel about yourself? Or is it about having that really strong emotional connection? Because for women as well, that carrying over into any kind of sexual experience can either make it or break it. We've all been in situations where we've had sexual experiences with people we haven't really wanted to or that person hasn't treated us very well and we're not in a state where we're relaxed and we're actually really in, enjoying ourselves um, and so being aware of what kind of gets us, you know, turned on, but in the mood. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because 
how relaxed you are is definitely going to equate to how positive that experience is. The more positive experiences you can have, the more you're going to enjoy that. But if you're continuing on with, okay, this is just an act that I have to do, I don't really know my position here or like what my role is here to play or not even taking that ownership, then it's just something else you need to tick off the list instead of it being something that you truly desire and that you enjoy yourself. Mm. Yeah. Look, we'll have to do a po- – we should do a podcast episode on our experiences growing up. <laughs> that would be a juicy one and how we've transitioned <laughs> into finding um, – how do you say it? Uh, uh, sexual preferences maybe? <laughs> that would be X-rated. Okay, so we're going to end with one more question. Um, and it is a voice note, which I am just trying to find now. By the way, if anyone does have any kind of questions for us, please do send it through to my Instagram podcast page, which is the GirlFit Method podcast. I also give away a lot of free information there. So, um, as well as free eBooks and things like that. It's kind of like, I feel like that's where our true GirlFit Method followers are. Pod Squad hangs out there. All right, let me see if I can find this voice note. I might not be able to. I may need to read out a few questions that I've got. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, yeah. Look, I can't find it. Oh, no, I can. So this is from the beautiful Marta. So let's get it up here and we will play it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for answering. I just listened to it properly. Um, thank you for this. Um, it's just that I feel like I'm eating and eating and eating. Uh, I tracked it quite a while ago, but it was around like, yeah, 2000, sometimes more, sometimes less. And I feel like I gained uh, like substantial amount of weight uh, ever since I started. But yeah, it seems like still, um, <laughs> it seems like still my body is adjusting and it's just sad because, yeah, I feel like I'm doing everything and I really don't want to do the hormonal replacement therapy. So, yeah, I don't. Okay, so context for that question. That is for all of our girls that have hypothalamic amenorrhea that are working on getting their cycle back. So she has put weight on, she's eating, she has cut back her exercise. I don't even think she's doing any kind of formal exercise. She's gone to the doctor. The doctor has said she'll need to go on hormone replacement therapy. She's quite young. She doesn't know what to do. Hard one. Um, I'm going to say, first of all, if you're doing the right things, and it's very difficult when you say you're eating enough, it's hard to know without having a look at what you're consuming because there really needs to be, yes, enough food, but also the quality of food, the um, macronutrients. Like, are you... Are you under eating? And a lot of women are quite fearful of carbohydrates and carbohydrates are so important in hormone production. You know, what does that actually look like? So first of all, eating enough is important, but making sure you're getting a good mix of different foods. Unfortunately, when we've spent a really long time maybe under eating, over-exercising, we've lost our cycle because of that. It's kind of like we can definitely undo that damage, but your body needs to trust you and that can take time, unfortunately. And it it sometimes means we definitely do need to gain weight. Sometimes that is just required for us to be healthy. Sometimes it's required for a short period of time for our body to feel safe, to get that cycle back and to stay there. And and we've had girls then be able to go back into a calorie deficit and still get a really healthy cycle because they've done it the right way. However, 
some girls, I need to keep that weight on, right, in order to be healthy. And that comes back to that body acceptance, right? You just need to accept where your body sits naturally. Um, Want to empathise as well because it's not an easy situation mm. to be in. Got any advice, Sig? I'm sure you've experienced this with some of your clients as well. You've literally said everything that I was thinking right now. I would want to touch point on the fact that it may take a while mm. to regain everything that she's going through right now. Mm. Again, everyone has a different experience. Some people regain it straight away. For some, it takes a little bit longer. It just it depends on the the content, context of uh, what's been happening in terms yeah. of health-wise. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, personally, if you can avoid going on any kind of hormone replacement therapy, that's awesome. You need to follow your doctor's instructions first of all. However, I would be a bit more patient with myself and just understand it can take some time, especially if you've been under reading for a long period of time. I even say with dieting, right, you want to spend double the amount of time that you were on a calorie deficit up at your maintenance. Now, if you've spent years under eating, you haven't had a cycle for years, then think about, I mean, hopefully it's not going to take you years to get your cycle back, but it is going to take probably a substantial amount of time. Um, and it is really hard, but maybe shifting your focus off of weight loss right now and your body and thinking about... I don't know, learning a new skill, trying to as much as possible, you know, just shift off the focus that you have on your body is going to be really helpful because that psychological stress yeah. can also play into Definitely. it. Definitely. You're placing so much pressure on yourself to look a certain yeah. way. And when we're constantly in that cycle of restricting our foods, losing a cycle, and if it's been, let's say, five, ten years, guess what? It's going to probably take double of that time to regain all of that from from being in that stage of life. Absolutely. And it's just like repercussions for our actions. There's always repercussions for our actions, unfortunately. Well, that was so fun, Sig. Thank you so much for coming on. If, I mean, you've been on my podcast a few times now, but let everyone know where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Sig Fisher. And I'm dabbling a little bit into um, TikTok and YouTube these days. Ooh, so okay. you might find me over there too. Doing some dances? Any dance trends? Actually, you're a good dancer. You're Thank a good you. dancer, Seek. Thank you. So I want to see some, please. <laughs> I'll make sure to share some. <laughs> good. All right, guys. And if you enjoyed the podcast episode, please leave a rating and a review. It means the absolute world to me. And if you do, make sure you screenshot it. Send it through to me in DMs. And I give away a $100 Jim Shark voucher to anyone that does leave a rating and a review. And do you know what? Pfft, I forgot this was on my list of things to do for this podcast episode. We do have a winner for this week. So I'm going to read it out now. How good is that? <clears throat> Drum roll, please. And we have this month's winner <laughs> is it's loading. Okay, so we have AI under or AI dash and. AI Dash and please send me a Instagram DM and I will get that Gymshark vouch through to you. Thank you so much to everyone that listens. I love you all. And until next time, big love, Coach Tash.